This is the organic stream. Welcome. If you look at the history of civilization, there is a direct relationship between the decline of soil quality and the decline of those civilizations. All these things came from the earth. They need to go back to the earth. We're not just keeping this stuff out of the landfill and making a product. And that's the attitude you have to take. Every single day, somebody knocks on your door and says, Can I have your way to do If you collect waste alone, then you will have Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Organic Stream on CompoStory.org. I'm your host, Celine Murphy, and this is episode two of the three-part series focusing on the current drought being experienced in California, USA, and the ways in which compost and mulch plays a role in tackling it. In this episode, we're talking to agronomist and soil culture expert, Bob Schaefer, who's calling from Hawaii, but works in California and internationally. And calling from California, we also have soil scientist and professor at UC Berkeley, Stephen Andrews. And today they'll be telling us all you need to know about drought-proofing your farm or garden using mulch. We'll look at how best to select and use compost and mulch for water retention, what other strategies we should consider, we'll touch on irrigation systems and on the cost factor of drought-proofing an area, and much, much more. And before we start, we'd like to thank Kellogg Garden Products for making this episode possible. Kellogg Garden Products have a natural and organic premium garden soil, potting soil, mulch or fertilizer to help your project reach its best potential, whether you're starting a garden from scratch, sprucing up your planting beds or mulching your favorite fruit tree. Kellogg Garden Products have been dedicated to meeting the needs of gardeners for over 85 years. And now, let's start the interview. Hi, Bob and Stephen. Thanks for coming on the show today. And now to start us off, I think it's important that we distinguish between compost and mulch for those out there who might not know the difference exactly. Uh, Stephen, can you please tell me what the difference is? Uh, Mulch is defined basically as a ground cover. So anything that's covering the surface of the soil. And we don't think of mulch as being something that we actually incorporate into the soil, which we do with compost. So it's important to recognize that compost is a soil amendment and that mulch is a ground cover. Right. Okay. So that's the difference between compost and mulch. But is it true that you can use compost as a type of mulch as well? Yes, compost uh, can be a form of mulch. It can be used as a a ground cover. Uh, But often, um, and my recommendation would be, uh, at least from the home gardener perspective, that you use compost and mulch together as a unit, as part of a system of protecting the soil. And that you would apply compost first, and then to protect the properties of that compost, the living uh, biology of that compost, you would want to apply mulch on top of that. And that would insulate the compost so it's able to do its best work in contact with the soil. Mm -hmm. Yes, very well put. And let me just say that although I agree entirely that mulches and composts are different, however, over the long term, mulches from woody materials or grassy materials do become broken down in particle size, coming into contact with the sand, silt, and the clay in soil, and become humus and or soil organic matter over a longer period of time. So mulches actually are very effective at increasing the structure of soil and increasing the soil organic matter or what can be called also the humus content of soils, even though they break down very slowly. 
right, so it acts a bit like a compost as well. And Bob, a lot of farmers in California are getting ready for the summer and thinking of ways to combat the drought. Can you tell me what the key considerations would be when choosing a mulch to protect against the drought? Uh, What should farmers know when choosing a mulch? Well, with drought in mind or with uh, wanting to uh, have more water infiltrate into the soil and be held in the soil, one of the things that I do on farms is raise cover crops. Right. And uh, just to jump in there, I just want to clarify for those who don't know, a cover crop is a type of plant grown to suppress weeds, help build and improve soil and control diseases and pests as well. Uh, They're also sometimes called green manure and living mulches. Yes. And oftentimes cover crops aren't looked at as a form of mulch or a source of mulch. But for me on farms, especially on larger acreages, it really is the practical and the economical way to get mulch. Now, I'll say this, with cover crops, I can choose the species that I want. I can plant them and then manage the residues above ground, the green tissue, uh, to where it's a little older, to where it has a little more lignin. And then when I mow this material and lay it on the soil surface, it has a longer half-life because it's been lignified. And then maybe most importantly, sort of secretly or quietly going on, is the decomposition of the roots. So the roots add to the humus level development in soil, the mulch laying on top and slowly breaking down. And between those two, both the roots decomposing and the mulch on top, we get a significant development of structure, water holding, water infiltration, and healthier roots to reach out to the water and utilize the water by simply using a cover crop technique. Interesting. So cover crops are definitely a possibility. And perhaps you can list a few other mulches that are ideal for water retention on farms. Uh, Will your choice depend on the type of soil you're working with or... Well, there's so, somewhat depends on the soil. I mean, certainly when we have a sandy soil or light textured soil, mulches are even more so desirable. Uh, however, mulches apply to all soils. Now, as far as uh, accessing enough material on a, in a farm situation where we're talking about maybe uh, even small acreages, it takes a lot of mulch to cover that three or four inches deep. Sometimes a farm will have access to larger amounts of uh, wood chip or some type of material that's appropriate for mulches, but typically I grow the mulch on site. Okay. And is it only water retention that matters when it comes to mulching to fight drought? Or is there any other considerations? Well, to to me, again, uh, if I can get more humus developed in soil, and that humus has the ability to hold a very, very large percentage of water, And recalling also that once the water is absorbed by humus, it's released back to the plant much more easily than the water that is held by clay in the soil. So my drive on farms for a number of reasons, including water retention, water infiltration into the ground, then water retention and release to the plant is to increase the humus levels of soils. Amazing. So, yeah, there's a lot of talk about the importance of humus going on now. And uh, Stephen, let's talk about gardens now. What would you say is important for gardeners to keep in mind when choosing a mulch? Yeah, where uh, cover crops are an excellent application for farming in the residential and uh, landscape setting, that's probably not as practical because people would look at it as kind of weedy or that sort of thing. So using an organic form of mulch, such as uh, recycled wood material, for example, or straw, uh, cardboard, newspaper, these are all forms of mulch material that can be used in a residential setting. 
And I particularly prefer the sheet mulching technique, which is not only good for maintaining moisture within the soil, but also is great for weed prevention. It's great for keeping the, uh, the temperature mod- moderated within the soil. And also it aids in the uh, decomposition process to increase that soil organic matter content, which is so important. A 1% increase in soil organic matter content quadruples the water holding capacity of a soil. So sheet mulching is a very effective technique. And it's kind of like making lasagna. You'd apply a one to two inch layer of compost, lay down some newspaper, straw, or cardboard in a a double overlapping uh, layer, apply another couple of inches of compost on top of that, and then at least three inches of a recycled wood mulch uh, to protect that whole lasagna package that you've created. And you can actually plant directly into that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, Three inches of mulch is particularly important because we really want to maintain that moisture content within the compost and the decomposing cardboard or straw or whatever it is. A lot of people don't recognize it, but mulch itself, while it acts like a great sponge and can hold a tremendous volume of water, it also can lose a lot of water to evapotranspiration. That's actually an important point I wanted to bring up. For those of you who don't know, evapotranspiration is when something, in this case mulch, loses water through transpiration and evaporation. Um, So how should we combat this? So knowing what size material to use um, is very important. And there was a very good study done by the University of California Cooperative Extension several years ago that looked at this. And it was actually found that yard waste, or what we call green waste, Uh, mulch is a very good uh, source for home gardeners. It holds a tremendous amount of water and it uh, it does a very good job at slowly decomposing and adding uh, organic matter or humus, as uh, Bob was mentioning, back to the soil. So sheet mulching and using something like green waste or yard waste is a very good way to go, or recycled wood chips. And those wood chips should be somewhere between the two and three inch size range in order to uh, optimize the moisture holding capacity. And also, the uh, we need at least three inches. Right, so three inches is the key. Um, is it the same for farms, Bob? Yeah, more or less. Uh, three or four inches have been uh, shown uh, through many trials to be uh, an effective uh, layer. Great. And um, I'd like to go back actually and talk about that study you mentioned, Stephen. And just to give an idea of the water retention potential of mulches, we know from that study that some mulches, such as yard waste applied three inches thick, can hold up to 2.51 inches per foot depth of water, which is pretty substantial. And it also warned that sometimes mulches can soak up the rainwater and sprinkler water and lose that water before it gets a chance to reach the soil underneath. Uh, what were the reasons for this happening? I presume it has something to do with the amount of mulch applied? Well, well that's... Yeah, it had to do with the size of mulch, uh, the kind of mulch. Yeah, it, it was kind of a complicated set of things, but the size and type were the two key variables there that uh, were related to the moisture loss. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is, a, this is actually an important topic because either on a small level or on a larger level, mulches can interfere with light rains or light inter- irrigations. Um, I put mulches on macadamia and on avocado trees. And a lot of times in a dry farm system where they get light rains and the trees have trained their roots up into the upper layers of soil, when we go in and mulch rapidly, come in and just put three or four inches of mulch down, it seriously can set back the vigor of these trees because they don't get those light rains anymore. 
Now, over a longer period of time, the system will balance out, the tree size will change, and the root structures will change, and the mulch will become effective. So one of the things that I do, if I'm going to go to mulch, I'm going to question uh, mulch in the area. I'm going to question what is my irrigation capacity, if any, what is my rainfall pattern, and try to keep from stressing the crop by providing more irrigation to the crop if I need to in the interim period while there is transition and adjustment to the new mulches. Okay, but I presume that adding extra moisture would be tough to do during the drought, no? Uh, It's all doable. It's all doable. Uh, And once again, uh, on some instances, particularly on some farms, taking a transition instead of a sudden change to three inches of mulch uh, may be a good idea, depending on the circumstances. Right. So um, what type of irrigation system would be best suited for this type of situation then? Uh, what I think people should be thinking about is drip irrigation and going uh, with some form of subsurface uh, rather than having a, a sprinkler type of system. And that's, and that's the kind of irrigation that they were uh, looking at in the study that looked at uh, loss of moisture from mulch. So I think folks should be looking at drip so that the drip is actually below the mulch level and it's making contact directly with the soil, that folks are making sure that they're monitoring their drip system and they're adjusting it as the plant material grows, that they're adjusting the flow rates based on the size and the developmental stage of the plant material, and to the greatest extent possible, that they get that moisture into the soil versus getting it into the air through a sprinkler where a lot of it is is being lost. All right, excellent. So um, a drip irrigation system is definitely the right choice, uh, especially for drought. Uh, But going back to the mulch itself now, is there any type of mulch that you would advise against using? Well, here in California with drought, we're also concerned about fire. And uh, it is possible for mulches to be quite flammable. Things like gorilla hair, for example, would not be a recommended form of mulch to use. I prefer recycled wood chip material that's come from pallets or from uh, construction projects where the wood is clean and then it's been shredded up. Um, bark chips, for example, redwood bark chips uh, would not be preferred. They tend to be uh, easily floated away. There was just a, a recent fire in Massachusetts, actually, at a wedding reception where someone threw away a cigarette into the mulch and it actually ignited and caught the uh, the vinyl siding of a building. Um, so there are these situations where that happens. And it was where we think about mulch in a residential setting and in California where we have urban wildland fire, selecting the right kind of mulch and how close it's being used to a building is important to keep in mind. Right. Also, I would say that uh, with mulches, I've seen uh, red cedar or other highly aromatic type woods. If used fresh as chip around uh, shallow rooted plants, I've seen them uh, damage shallow rooted plants if it is a very aromatic type of mulch material. And also, I guess I would be cautious about mulches that came from plants that were chopped or chipped off of likely contaminated soils. This would be around along some highways or just some situations where a lot of herbicide or pesticide is used and then we don't like to take the mulch chopped from that area. Yeah, I would I would wholeheartedly agree with that. You need to uh, you need to know the source of the mulch. You need to know your mulch provider, and you should never be afraid to ask questions about what went into the mulch, the mulching process, whether it was treated with any kind of material. And this is particularly true in a residential setting. If you're using colored mulches, you want to know what the uh, provider used as the coloring agent. Okay, great, uh, brilliant tips. Very useful to know. 
And let's focus now on the strategy. Would there be certain areas to prioritize over others or certain plants to protect first? Bob, say in farms? Well, I would say that mulches are probably most appropriate where there is uh, projected to be a lot of water loss out of the soil, either because of low soil organic matter levels or a lighter textured soil or a certain drainage or exposure. Always when we're talking about uh, using on-site grown mulch, if that's in conjunction with the actively growing crop, we want to make sure that we've pick the cover crop that we're going to chop over to mulch uh, carefully as we don't want the cover crop competing with the crop. Um, In terms of where we would apply mulches first, like I say, I think on lighter texture soils, on exposures where it's particularly hot, or on on slopes where we're subject to losing soil, uh, soil erosion, sheeting off the surface. And so mulches are very effective at lowering the potential for erosion. Great. And uh, Stephen, do you want to answer from a gardener's and landscaping point of view? Um, If you want to take a strategic approach, I would look for those areas that are most weed infested or the areas that you've got uh, little planting in at the moment and focus on uh, starting to mulch those first and then being able to move in with California native plants or drought tolerant plants into those areas. Uh, making sure that you've got the appropriate amount of mulch, that three inches, that's going to help to keep the uh, the weeds under control and keep that moisture in, in the ground. And it is very effective on any kind of a slope situation for controlling erosion. Um, so my strategic approach would be think sheet mulching. Think about it applying to the areas that you're not heavily landscaped or underutilizing or that you're going to transition with plant material. Then go to using plant material that is drought tolerant particularly using California native plants or wherever you are, the native plants that are particular to your watershed. And that would be the uh, the approach I would recommend. And uh, how much or how often should you mulch? And would it be a good idea to blend the mulches or... Well, from the residential perspective, really, you don't have to change the mulch up all that much once you apply it. Uh, If it's particularly within that two and a half to three inch size range, that's going to slowly decompose over time. If you're wanting to freshen up the color of it or over time it's going to oxidize in the sun, you want to be able to brighten that up. You can do a little top dressing of an additional inch or so uh, a year. That's about what will get uh, processed over the course of a year. If you're going to be adding compost as part of that process, you need to peel the mulch back, apply the compost, and then return the mulch back on top of that. It's very important that home gardeners remember not to incorporate mulch directly into the soil, that compost is what we want to be incorporating into the soil or leaving on the surface. But wood chips, those kind of things should not be incorporated directly into the soil so that we don't uh, cause a nitrogen drag situation. And I think the incorporation mulch into the soil is a problem oftentimes that I run into, uh, either on farms or in gardens. One way or another, people can think that it's better off to incorporate these materials and they're too woody. And as Stephen pointed out, we can start to tie up nitrogen by incorporating too much woody, high carbon stuff too quickly. That's actually an interesting point about the nitrogen, that it could possibly get tied up. Uh, Would you recommend replacing the nitrogen in the soil in that case uh, via fertilizer, say? Well, from a residential perspective, during drought conditions, you never want to fertilize. Fertilizer stimulates new growth. New growth requires additional water. And in a drought condition where we don't have that available water, that's going to put the plants under tremendous stress, which will then invite pests. 
And so we just create this downward kind of spiral within, within the garden. So uh, I would let the compost feed the soil, not the plants. Uh, focus on making sure that the biology in the soil is getting what it needs. It is perfectly capable of moving all the nutrients around, the water around, and making sure the plants get what they need. Um, and as part of that, I recommend that folks have their soil tested to know what they actually have in the ground. The idea of applying fertilizers every two weeks um, is great marketing, it's great brainwashing, but it's not good soil biology, good soil ecology. So uh, test your soil, know what you already have, and then don't be fertilizing during a drought, be applying compost, and let the soil biology do the work of sustaining your plants through the drought conditions. Right. Those are great points and good uh, comments. Now, plants, of course, to be most protective, they have their own mechanisms against protecting against water loss and protecting against drought stress. Plants need to have particularly potassium and zinc in addition to all the rest of the uh, essential minerals. But potassium and zinc have a lot to do with how the plant circulates its fluids and how it protects itself against uh, drought stress. And so, yes, testing the soil, also uh, testing plant tissues is something we do where there's uh, crops in particular because we are raising crops for food. So we're very interested in making sure that the crops have good access to minerals. Uh, not over-fertilizing is important. And by testing the soil and then also testing the plant, we can determine what is missing, what is going to be provided by compost. And for example, compost will increase the K level, potassium levels and the phosphate levels. Typically, compost does not increase or mulches do not increase the calcium levels in plants. And again, the calcium, along with boron and copper, help to make the plant harder and more resistant to pests and also have a healthier root system that can be larger and healthier and pick up more water in the soil. So certainly, any time that we're talking about farm or garden, we want to make sure that we're asking our questions sort of through the filter of all three of the primary cultural practices, which is organic matter management. That includes compost, cover crops, and mulches mineral management, or what I would call more accurately, mineral balancing in soil, and then also tillage management. We look at the whole soil ecology and ask ourselves, what will the compost and mulches provide? What is my soil sample and my tissue sample showing? And what minerals might I need to replace to increase the plant's ability to resist drought and to make the root system so it's particularly large and healthy and able to uptake water effectively and to have mycorrhizae on the roots that increase the plant's ability to uptake water uh, very strongly. That's very interesting. Very cool. Um, so people should definitely test their soils, first of all. Definitely. Absolutely. And uh, finally, uh, let's talk about the cost factor. And um, Bob, can you tell me roughly how much it would cost to dreadproof an acre of land, say? Um, this is a uh, great question. However, we have to know where we start. Uh, I work on some soils that have 5% soil organic matter in Northern California. I work on some soils that have one half of 1%. And those two soils could have different textures, meaning the amount of sand, silt, and clay. Particularly clay in the soil will cause the soil or allow the soil to hold more water. So it's a hard question to answer arbitrarily. On the average, I would say uh, you're going to spend uh, maybe uh, less than $100 per acre for a cover crop. It's going to cost me $35 an acre to mow that cover crop. It's going to cost me a little bit for seed. Oh, excuse me, the seed, that was $100 per acre. There could be a little other cost in there, possibly for a sundries. 
Right, okay, so under $100 for the cover crop itself, uh, $35 to mow the cover crop and possibly a little bit more for sundries. So on average, it's roughly $130 per acre to use the cover crop. And uh, Stephen, finally, what's the rough cost estimate for a home garden? Yeah, so for the home gardener, um, it's generally, I would say, between 39 cents and 79 cents a square foot. Again, it depends on where you're starting from. Um, and that 39 to 79 cents per square foot is for three inches of a recycled wood mulch being applied. And the largest cost component in that square footage is the transportation cost. So if you can find a local source of great recycled wood mulch or uh, yard waste uh, material that can be transported you know, for very little, then that cost is going to drop significantly. But the largest uh, single component in the cost for the mulch is the actual transportation of it from one place to another. But three inches is what you'd want to shoot for. And generally speaking, in California, it's somewhere between 39 and 79 cents per square foot. Now, if you were to multiply that out for an acre, it looks like an astronomical amount of money. But um, remember, we're talking about residential garden home landscape situation. So um, 39 to 79 cents is about what it would cost. All right. That's great. And um, well, we covered the basics now. And unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Um, so thanks, Bob and Stephen, for coming on the show. You're very welcome. All right. Goodbye now. Bye. Okay, bye now. Take care. That was Bob Schaefer and Stephen Andrews for the organic stream on compostory.org. I hope you enjoyed this episode two of the drought special. Our third and final episode on the drought will follow a little later in the series. If you have any comments or questions, go to our website compostory.org or send us a tweet. Our Twitter handle is compostoryorg. That's all we have time for this week. Tune in again next week for more great stories. Yeah.